Well, here we are, lo and behold, 1 Kings chapter 2. We're talking about a, a young feller named Solomon. Solomon. Solomon is the second son of David and Bathsheba. What happened to the first one? The child died. And so um, Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. So anyway, things move on. David took her and had another son by the name of Solomon. And uh, he was going to be the king of Israel. Now, before he was to be the king of Israel, there were a couple others that were in line to be the king. But Ammon and Absalom, well, they already were dead by the time David's getting ready to depart from this earth. So another one was going to be the, in line, but uh, they convinced him not to have him be the king. So Adonijah was um, supposed to be the next one in line, the apparent heir to the throne. But Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet went to see David and told him, says, um, bad choice. So anyway, he settled upon using Solomon. Well, of course, that made Adonijah very angry because he wanted to be. So after David was dead, he wanted to marry one of his wives and so Solomon had him killed because his dad told him, you better kill him because he's going to try to take the throne from you. And Solomon listened to his daddy and did just that. But here in 1 Kings in chapter 2, you'll notice where he says here, David's charge to Solomon. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Now this is a good little lesson for Father's Day, wouldn't you say? Here's a daddy. He's not going to live forever. But he's telling his son, Solomon, what to expect. What he should do. Tell him how he should live giving him some warnings in advance. And I think it's some very good scripture for everyone to notice because it's so important here. And down in verse 2, he says, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Now, you'll see this also was quoted in the book of Joshua, in chapter 1, where God tells Joshua the very same thing. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Here's David and still using the Word of God to help his son Solomon to be a wise man. 
He says, so that you can prosper. In verse 4, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. So God made a promise that there will never fail to be a, a man on the throne of Israel. Well, we know that years and years later, a man by the name of Jeconiah rebelled against the Lord and God had to deal with him and he put a curse upon his seed saying that none of your seed will ever set upon the throne of Israel. Well, that just happens to be the right line through which the king was supposed to come through. So how can the king down the road, whoever was going to be, ever be able to claim the throne of Israel if a curse was put upon the line? Well, God did it in a miraculous way. That's why Jesus had to have a, a mother who was of the line, the royal line. But it wasn't through Solomon, it was through Nathan, and on back to David. And he had a father, but his father did not have the, well, he had a curse upon him, but he was not the real father of Jesus. So Jesus could claim the throne because he was not of the seed of Joseph. And so it's a wonderful story how God puts together all these things. And some things he doesn't tell us, he just puts it in the Word, and you have to find it. So it's a wonderful thing. So God told him all of this. So now we know the time is coming on, and just look down here at verse 10. In verse 10 where he says, So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And verse 11, And the days that David reigned over Israel were forty years. So forty years for David, and guess how long Solomon got to reign? Forty years. Just something about the number 40. You know, it's not 41 or 43 or 37. It's 40. Like somebody's in charge of this thing. Something's going on behind the scenes. But anyway, look in verse 12. Then set Solomon upon the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was established greatly. So this is what God had set up for him. Now we know that he was used by the Lord to... Um, build the temple of the Lord. So he built the first temple. And he reigned from about 970, you know, before Christ. And uh, so he reigned for 40 years. So that would take you down to about 930. So he had all these years that he served the Lord. Well, I should say he knew the Lord. God did greatly use them. We often hear of Solomon's temple. If you ever go to Israel, there is a part of the wall that they say this is part of Solomon's temple, and it's way down. You can see through a shaft all the way down, and a beautiful, like marble, and uh, just, just gorgeous stonework. But everything else looks terrible. But way down under the ground, they have a part that you can see part of the, the wall there. I don't know if it's the wall or the part of the... The temple was totally destroyed, we know, but the, the wall that was just gorgeous, really, really beautiful. Now, you'll notice there in chapter 3, 1 Kings in chapter 3, because we're talking about the king. This is the, 
the third king in the land of Israel. And so first of all, there was Saul, and then there was David, and now David's son. Not Adonijah, but Solomon. In verse 5, I want you to notice this. This is a wonderful story. You often hear about the wisdom of Solomon. Well, how did it come about? And it would help us if we knew these stories and scriptures, because isn't it true that sometimes we ask the Lord for wisdom? I want you to hold your place right here, but just look with me over there in the book of James chapter 1. James and chapter 1. Right after the book of Hebrews and you notice there in James chapter 1. And the Bible tells us that as we go through life, there's times we need, we need a little wisdom. So he says here in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, or different testings. Because when you have all these testings of every kind, there's always something that you don't know. Something you can't solve. Some things you just don't understand. So you're always wondering because they become a problem to us. And so all of us have problems. And all of our problems force us to make decisions. So these decisions that we make are called choices. And so we get to enjoy the results of our wise decisions and suffer consequences of our foolish decisions. But life is made up of choices. So when you have problems, it forces you to make choices. How are you going to solve it? How are you going to get out of it? How much do you know? How much do you understand? So he makes a statement here in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, because you have to wait a while to get the answer. That's what makes it a problem. You don't have the immediate answer to solve everything. So you're going to have to find out, search, knock, ask. So he says in verse 4, But let patience have her perfect word, that you may be perfect or complete, entire, wanting or lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, and that word if means you do, lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. In other words, God is not for you staying dumb all your life. God really wants you to be wise. So he gives you wisdom as you go. And you're supposed to ask the Lord and study his word and seek and knock and ask. And he says, you'll find. You'll get it. But because we don't have the patience. Now, the thing about Solomon is he didn't have to get the patience and the tribulations to get the wisdom. But you don't know if a man is wise until you have decisions to make. Now, your decisions reveals your wisdom. And sometimes we think we're so smart and we make so many dumb decisions. And we wish we could do it over again. Well, that's the story of life. Now, go back here to the book of 1 Kings in chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, look in verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God says, ask what I shall give thee. Now, I've had some dreams, but I haven't had all my dreams fulfilled. But, oh, I've had dreams. And Solomon says, thou hast showed 
unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is in this day. So here's a wonderful Father's Day message about the father telling the son and the son showing appreciation for his dad. You see, God wanted the temple to be built, but David, well, he had too much blood on his hands. So David used his remaining years to gather everything together, and so when Solomon got to be king, God had everything ready for him. And so that's why it's called Solomon's temple, not David's. Because God used Solomon to do it. But now look what he says here in verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. In other words, I have a responsibility that appears to be too great for my wisdom. It's too much for me. So, what is he asking for? This is what is really great about this situation. Remember, God is going to give to this man, this young man, wisdom because of all the things he could have asked for. This is what he asked for. So he says, I'm like a little child. In verse 8, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people. Thou cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? Isn't that a wonderful request? Lord, and I think it's good for every man that, you know, they get married ought to pray something along the line, Lord, help me to be the husband that I should be, that I can discern right from wrong, that I can guide my wife and love her as I should and be faithful and all the things that God wants. And when you first get married, you may have the idea in your mind, it's going to be, you know, just roses from here on out. And it don't take long for those thorns to appear. And you wonder, Usually right after you get married, there's a time, I think I made a mistake. Have you ever gone to a car lot and bought a, a used vehicle? And it says, as is. And as soon as you drive off the lot, you say, that's funny. I didn't, I didn't hear that noise before. I didn't feel that shake. I didn't notice that before. And I didn't notice that before. And I didn't notice that before. And there's so many things you didn't notice. You say, man, I got a limit. Man, I really messed up. Well, sometimes that's the way it is in marriage. So what do you want to do? Well, chunk that one and go get you a new one. No, no, no. Sometimes you have to have maintenance. And you've got to maintain things. And you go through life and doing a lot of... That's why in an automobile, there's a motor and there's the back wheels. But you've got to have a transmission. It takes the power from here and transfers it to here. So in marriage, you're always shifting gears. You're adjusting. So you've got to learn how to shift gears without grinding gears. Remember the old manual type? Now we want everything automatic. 
because it's a lot easier. And so um, there you go. Now we have automatic marriages. <laughs> Everything is wonderful. Well, maybe not exactly. But notice what he says here. What he asked for pleased the Lord. In verse 10, and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, you didn't ask for long life, neither hast thou asked for riches for thyself, nor asked the life of thine enemies, thou hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Well, there's no sense trying to pray that you'll be as wise as Solomon, because he said it's not going to happen. But you see, that was a long a time ago. But we can still be wise today and get the wisdom that comes from God. And that's what his, we have. We have the Word of God. So we pray for guidance and wisdom as we go. The thing is, is he got his wisdom without having to maybe do too much studying. I don't know. But God gave him wisdom and an understanding heart. Sometimes I think, man, I wish I was a little bit like that. Understand, man, I wish I could understand everything. I still make so many dumb things, you know. And sometimes you hurt people and you don't want to, don't intend to, but does it happen? Say things maybe a little sharp, didn't have to say that. So we often do things that, um, that hurts. I got a nice little letter today, believe it or not, last night. Uh, my wife says, Yankee, get the phone. I says, all right. So I got the phone. She says, put it beside your bed. I always leave my phone in the other room. She says, put it beside your bed. She says, you know your daughter's going to call you tonight after 12 o'clock. And you're going to answer the phone. Because she knows if it stays in the other room, I won't hear it. And she'll have to answer the phone. So anyway, she set it beside the bed. 12.01, my alarm goes off. <laughs> Clock goes off. And my daughter's on the phone. And she has to say, happy Father's Day to you. Hello, Trina. And uh, so she's all, she just got off work at 11.30. She's wide awake. She won't go to work, till, I mean, to bed till you know, 1.30 in the morning. Well, God bless my daughter. And uh, so anyway, she said a few nice things. So I was glad to hear from my daughter. And... Uh, I imagine that my, my son and my grandkids will call later this afternoon. They always do it in the afternoon. But my daughter, I can count on 12.01. She's calling. But, you know, in spite of all of that, I'm glad she did. I'd rather be remembered than forgotten. But anyway, he says, I'm going to give you this wisdom and this stuff. So look in verse 12. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart and so forth. Verse 13, and I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. So I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you all this honor and all this wealth. 
He'd be one of the richest kings there ever was. And Solomon was. He says here in verse 14, And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. Now, I'll give you long life. Now, I don't know how long, long life is. But I know that um, David didn't live much longer than 70 years. Well, I've already reached that. But I'm not worried. Dr. Polson's way ahead of me. And I think if, if Dr. Polson can make it, maybe, maybe I can hang in there and get a couple more years out of this old body. So, anyway, and Solomon woke, and behold, it was a dream. But it wasn't just a dream. He began to act upon it, and God gave him great wisdom. And then there's a story that everybody likes to tell, how that there was these two women, and they both had a little baby, and they evidently were together, and one of them rolled over and killed smothered her little baby. So the woman says, uh, this is my baby. And the other woman says, no, 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 that's my baby. So there arose a, an argument. So they went to Solomon, and of course everybody wants to know, how is Solomon going to solve this problem? How does he know which one is the baby? So he decided, let's just take the baby that's alive and cut it in two. Give half of it to one and half to the other. And so when they raised the knife and got rid of the, the real mother jumped in and says, no, give her the baby. Well, then Solomon knew that's the real mom. So he was so wise. And uh, evidently it affected a lot of people all over the world. Because people came from everywhere to see and to hear of the wisdom of Solomon. And to see what great wealth that he had. And so, um, look there in chapter 4. In chapter 4, you'll notice what he says in verse 29. He says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country, and all the wisdom of Egypt, and all these peoples. His fame was all over the nations of all the world. Pretty great fellow. And then Solomon is used by the Lord to build the temple of God. And he builds this temple, and that's what you see in chapter 5 and chapter 6. And um, he built his own house 13 years. Imagine what kind of a house that looked like. And so when you go through here, you hear all of these things about what he did, and he brought the ark into it, and Shekinah glory comes down, and takes up residence in that place. But look over there in chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 11. Chapter 11, you find also that there was a problem with Solomon. He didn't just love the Lord. He didn't just love wisdom. And he probably loved, uh, you know, the wealth, the fame. He also loved women. When you study the Bible, you'll find out a lot of great men were brought down because of the lust of the flesh. And um, God gave it to everybody, but it has to be controlled. There has to be restraint. And some people don't restrain themselves at all. So here in uh, 1 Kings in chapter 11, 
He says in verse 1, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, and the Edomites, and the Zidonites, he said, and the Hittites, and of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. Now, is this with the Lord's blessings? No. He violating the scriptures. And he's recorded here that it was not the will of God. But because he had such wisdom and power, you think sometimes power can go to your head and you think you can be excused from. I think we have politicians today that think, well, the law applies to everybody but me. Well, it applies to everybody. And so he says in verse 3, and he had 700 wives. These are the ones that uh, considered to be married to, maybe because of their prestige and their position in, you know, in the land. Concubines were people that he would have intimate relations with, but their kids could not inherit anything, and they were not considered to be a wife in a sense because of several reasons, and mainly because of their social status. But maybe they were just beautiful and he didn't care anything about where they came from or anything like that. So he had 300 of them. Now, this is why some people think that this is maybe why he's so wise. He had all these advisors. He had a thousand advisors. Well, the Bible says that God don't want a man to do that and to take wives from these other nations because there's the tendency of them pulling you away into a different religion. Or now you've got to humor these women who don't believe like you believe. So he broke the law. And there was problems with this. So he says here in verse 4, And it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wise turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect or mature with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And Solomon went after, and he talks about all these different women that he went after, and their gods and the abomination. So in verse 6, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. When did he do this? When he got older. But see, he sowed the wild oats when he was young, and now he's going to reap the consequences of all the wild oats when he gets older. So instead of ending well, he doesn't finish very well. This is why you find about the Apostle Paul, he says, I want to finish my course with joy. In other words, I want to run well. And in the book of Galatians in chapter 5, he says, "Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Running well is obeying the truth. You want to run well? Obey truth. You want to finish well? Keep obeying the truth. Just because you get old is not an excuse not to obey truth. We still have to obey what the Word of God says. And just because we get older, it should not be an excuse to let the lust of the flesh control our lives or our minds. So be careful, always be wise. Now you notice what he says here. 
In verse 6, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. Was God upset with all of this? Yes, he was. Now look in verse 8. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their God. So he, he did some bad things. And because of the sin, the Bible tells us that God split the kingdom from his two sons. God says, I'm not going to let this happen in your day, but I'm going to let it happen after you're passing on because I'm doing this for David's sake because I, I promised Dave. And so the Lord loves David and he had blessed this young man with such wisdom because in the days of his youth, he was wise. So he makes a statement up here in verse 11, Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, and which I have commanded thee, I will surely rent the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy day, I will not do it for David thy father's sake. But I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. So you'll know, because of your sinfulness, your wickedness, I'm going to take the kingdom away from your sons. Who was supposed to rule? And why say sons? Because he was going to divide the kingdom. One was going to have the northern tribe of the ten tribes, and one the southern two tribes. So the northern ten tribes was called Israel, and southern two tribes, Judah. So as you go through, you'll find out there's sometimes kings that seem like they have the same name, ruling at the same time, but they're, they're different people, and one is over Judah, and one is over Israel. And so God says in the book of Ezekiel 38 and so on, uh, he says, I'm going to take and take these two sticks and make them one again. In other words, one day the time will come when all of them will be one nation again. And that is coming down the road. It's going to be happening. So because of Solomon's disobedience, and he had lived for so long and done so good, and then to mess up at the end. So God says, I'm going to, I'm going to bring a adversary against you. So you see there when he makes the statement in verse 14, and the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon. See, sometimes you might try to excuse yourself and think it's not going to matter, and God will send you problems because of your bad choices. He doesn't even have to tell you why. It just happens. And you'll wonder sometimes, I wonder why that happened. I wonder why that. I wonder why, why. Why is everything all of a sudden like it's going wrong? There might be a reason. And God may not even tell you. But you're supposed to understand, if you're doing right, you don't have to worry about it. But if you're not doing right, it should plague your mind. And you have a sense of guilt. Maybe it's because of what I said or did or thought or something like that. And you want to correct that problem. But if you don't correct the problem, you'll never have the peace of God that it's because, well, he's just simply testing me to make me better. It could be he's whooping the tar out of you because you were disobedient. And nobody else might not be able to tell except you. 
And so you can't always tell, well, I know why this is happening to you. Well, you may know and you may not. You have to be very careful of that. So anyway, he has to go through this and the problems arise. Look there in verse 41 of chapter 11. And the rest of the acts of Solomon, and all that he did, and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the acts of Solomon? And the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his stead. Now, Solomon was used by the Lord to write some books of wisdom. And so we have the book of Proverbs. We have the Song of Solomon. And we have the book of Ecclesiastes. So I want you to take a look there in just Ecclesiastes real quick. Look in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. Ecclesiastes is written as a man who has wisdom and has done everything without the knowledge of God. He writes it as though as a man under the sun. In other words, as a man sees life. So that's why he says over and over again, it's just like, you know, the, the clouds come over the land, rains, goes into the rivers, goes down to the sea, evaporates, becomes a cloud, and rains again. He says, just one vicious cycle. What's the purpose in it? What's the reason for it? All of vanity and vexation of spirit. A man lives, a man dies. Without the knowledge of God or the purpose of God, it seems like it's just wasted, useless living. So however a man can see life, trying everything, Solomon did. He knew what it was like to have all the women he ever wanted. He knew what it was like to have great power. He knew what it was like to have great wisdom. He knew what it was like to build whatever he wanted to build, plant whatever he wanted to plant. And he says, when it's all over with, all we're going to do is die. And when we die, we left whatever we did to those that did nothing to get it. Sometimes we might feel like that whenever we get ready to die and we leave our kids all of our great wealth. My dad left me. He left me. We'll just leave it with that. He left me. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, think there's a lot of good things we can learn. But here in Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, he tells us this as he concludes. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy, what? Youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In other words, the time is going to come when you're not going to be able to see so good. And in verse 3, I believe he's talking about the house here is just, this is your body. This is that body you live in, that house. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, because you're getting old. The strong men shall bow low themselves, 
And the grinders, now your teeth are gone because they're few. Those that look out of the windows, be darkened, you can't see like you ought to see and want to see. You're getting old. Things are beginning to happen. And he says, and you can't hear. And he shall rise up at the voice of the birds, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. What did you say? Huh? I can't hear you. Your ears begin to go, your eyes begin to go, your teeth begin to go, your memory begins to go, you're bending over and your body begins to shake and tremble. We're getting old. What's going to happen next? You're going to die. You're going to die. And so he goes through and he says all this in verse 7, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. What's the purpose of life? We're born, we live, we die. We're born, we live, we die. The same for everybody. So he says down here, in verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His word, His commandment. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. In other words, serve the Lord in the days of your youth. Because the day will come when this old body is going to fall apart and you've got to move out. And you're going to have to face God. And so God's going to bring everything. And then you'll see the reason and the purpose behind everything. Now, Solomon didn't have the rest of the Bible like we have. We have things and know things Solomon never knew. So I believe that we ought to be thankful and don't believe that everything is vanity and vexation of spirit unless you walk in the flesh and live in the flesh. It's all a wasted life. That's the flesh. That's as a lost man living without God. But we know God. And that makes a difference. So even in Solomon's last few days upon the earth, he wrote some good stuff that God used him to help us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us, for the wisdom of the daddy, David, given such good charge to the son, Solomon. And Father, for the admonition in the end of his life. Bless us today and give us a good service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.